0: Alright guys, welcome in today's episode of Locked On SEC Podcast, part of Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Blake Lovell, and on today's episode of the podcast, we recap uh, the first round of the SEC tournament and look ahead to Thursday's games, um, if those games are actually played that is the big question. Uh normally I record uh this podcast uh at night and have it ready very early in the morning for you guys. Uh but I am doing it a little bit differently. Uh here uh, for this episode I am recording it early in the morning. Uh the reason why I think as we all know is because uh the sports landscape is changing seemingly by the hour at this point and um not knowing exactly What things are going to look like, uh, not only just in the SEC, but across other sports, Uh, rather than than record at night, I decided to do this early in the morning just because we really didn't know what other changes there could be. As of right now, uh, we will jump into what are certainly uh, some very big topics when it comes to not only college basketball, but uh, other sports leagues as well. And if we start with uh, what everyone knows at this point is the SEC – Following uh, what other conferences have decided to do, and that is to limit access for the SEC tournament starting with Thursday's games, Um, Commissioner Greg Sankey announced it uh Between games on Wednesday night, and uh, pretty much said that the same thing that we've heard uh, from other conferences around the country when it comes to to limiting access uh, to their tournament, and um, it will basically just be uh, as they worded it: uh, essential staff, uh, limited family members, and credential media uh, will be the only ones uh, allowed at the tournament. And here's what Commissioner Greg Sankey had to say. In the release from the SEC, quote, in light of recent developments beyond our control related to the spread of the coronavirus, including a recommendation from the NCAA COVID-19 advisory panel, and after consultation with our member universities, We have made the difficult decision to hold the 2020 SEC Men's Basketball Tournament in Nashville without spectators, beginning with games on Thursday, March the 12th. Effective immediately, the policy will also apply to other SEC championship events and on-campus regular season games scheduled through at least the end of March. And he goes on to say, After conferring with local and national health authorities, we remain confident in our ability to safeguard the health and well-being of our student-athletes, coaches, and other staff who will be participating, as well as the limited number of family members and media. Who will be in attendance at the tournament? We regret the inconvenience and disappointment the decision has caused for our fans, especially those who have already traveled to Nashville for the tournament. End quote. Um, so, uh, not unexpected. I think for anyone who watched this play out on Wednesday, um, this was something that not at all. I mean, we we knew this was going to be announced. At some point, it was not a matter of if; it was a matter of when. And um, now, I think we're we're sort of in the situation, as I said, as I'm recording this on early Thursday morning. Um, you know, the SEC tournament is still set to be played, and I think one of the reasons why people aren't exactly sure if that's going to happen comes with uh, a couple of other things that happened on Thursday night that, that really stood out. The first of which was the NBA suspending its season. After the Utah Jazz and Oklahoma City Thunder um, went to start their game, uh, was ultimately postponed after players were pulled off the court uh, and taken, you know, back into the locker room. And then the development that got everyone uh, wondering, you know, how is the NCAA going to approach things moving forward? How is the SEC going to approach everything moving forward? Uh, was Rudy Gobert of the Utah Jazz testing positive? For the coronavirus, which um, you know, that opened up a lot of possibilities. I think that that probably you know some people had not thought about when it comes to limiting access to fans, only having so many people inside of the arena. Well, what exactly does that do when one of the players, um, you know, is involved in this entire situation? And so um, that was was something right after that. You know, we saw the NBA quickly announce that it would suspend its season and um you know that that just opened even more questions um and then beyond that i think it was you know again it's it's so hard to know exactly the timeline of everything because wednesday i think as most people talked about uh wednesday felt like a a very it almost felt like a week in and of itself uh just just on wednesday um you had fred hoiberg the head coach of Nebraska, um, after the the stuff with the NBA and and everyone was focused on that. Fred Hoiberg, Nebraska coach, on the sideline, clearly not feeling well. And um, Nebraska issued a statement on early Thursday morning uh, and mentioned that Hoiberg was diagnosed with influenza A and had been released from the hospital and returned to the team hotel. Um, So, you know, I think the immediate thought when you you saw someone like Fred Hoiberg coaching his team on the sideline, I think we we were all – sort of looking at it and thinking the same thing based on what we had seen uh, around the sports landscape on Wednesday in terms of what potentially he could be dealing with. Uh, But, you know, based on the Nebraska release, um, you know, ultimately um, not the case in terms of having any potential, um, you know, connection to what is certainly going on right now. Um, So it opens up a lot more questions than answers at this point. And, And I think as I've said, um, you know, what is the SEC going to do? Will this entire tournament get played? I don't think that's a question any of us can answer at this point because things are changing so quickly with this entire situation, which also leads into the NCAA tournament. You know, as of right now, the NCAA tournament will be played with the same limited access as the SEC tournament is going to be played with uh, the rest of the week. And, um, you know, I just, I don't know. Is the SEC tournament going to continue to be played will the NCAA tournament be played? Um, It's just, it's hard to know the answers to to those questions right now uh, because there, there is so much going on and so much that is changing uh, essentially on an hourly basis right now. We're in unprecedented territory when it comes to this uh, and its effect on sports. And um, you know, so it just, it makes it impossible to know because there is an NCAA tournament that's still set to be played. Um, What happens with with either of those at this point, uh, it just uh, it, it's hard to know because um, you know as we said Wednesday was a was a day that was filled with, with so many significant developments. It's impossible to know um, you know what the college basketball landscape is going to look like and how it continues to impact this college basketball season and uh, where things, uh, you know, go next with with not only the SEC tournament but uh, the NCAA tournament, Uh, it's just uh, who knows at this point because that's just kind of where we're at uh, with this entire situation. But coming up, uh, we will look at the SEC tournament as if it's going to be played. Um, There were two games on Wednesday night, uh, two teams advance. We'll get into those games uh, coming up here on the Locked On SEC Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. And let's recap uh, the two games from Wednesday night in the SEC tournament. Uh, Georgia picked up an 81 to 63 win against Ole Miss. The Bulldogs came out and uh, led from start to finish. Uh, this was a game where they got off to a good start um, and really, you know, just continued to play well uh, the entire game. And I thought it was a game for Georgia where their defense I think set the tone in this particular game because um, you know Ole Miss struggled I think to to find good shots and and I think George's defense is something that we've looked at this season and When you have a young team, um, you know, the the defense hasn't always been there in terms of uh, their consistency and all that. But this was a a good defensive performance uh, from the Bulldogs. And, you know, if if they play this way, uh, they're going to have a shot uh, in their next game, which we'll talk about here in just a bit. But, um, you know, it it was a good game overall for Georgia to be able to win by 18 with Anthony Edwards only scoring six points. I think that's the biggest takeaway for a lot of people. He only had six points. Uh, It was just two of 13 from the floor. Uh, so for them to be able to win a game like that, uh, especially by, by that amount of points uh, with Anthony Edwards struggling, uh, that's that's good for the Bulldogs. Uh, Rayshon Hammonds uh, was outstanding. He had a double-double. Uh, Jordan Harris had 21 points. So, so to be able to get that production uh, and win a game like this, not just win a game, but in convincing fashion without your best player having his best game, that's probably a nice boost of of confidence uh, for Georgia heading into uh, the second-round games. And um, this is a team where, you know, you look at it, I think, you know, it starts with the defense, but they also – and you, and they mentioned that, you know, they moved the ball a bit better. They had 19 assists on 30 made field goals. Um, you know, it wasn't Ole Miss's best defensive performance, that's for sure. And we mentioned in the preview, um, I thought Ole Miss's defense could be the, the one thing that, that really gave Georgia fits here. Because if you go back to that one meeting they played during the regular season, um, you know, Ole Miss won that game and really, you know, played very well um, on the defensive side of the court and made things hard on Georgia. That wasn't necessarily the case in this one. And and you never really know what you're going to get, uh, I think, in a tournament situation, especially for teams. You know, in this bottom part um, of the standings, uh, you don't really know who's going to come out. With that that motivation, um, and uh, you know, it's just it's a different sort of situation, and I just think you you had a Georgia team come out, and you know, it almost goes back to something we talked about recently on the podcast. It's when you have such a young team uh, that hasn't been, you know, in a tournament setting, they don't really know uh, maybe the pressure that comes along with it. Knowing that you know it is a a tournament type of game and and there is you know some some extra added pressure that goes along with it. Um, just just knowing you know what's if you if you win you continue to play if you lose you go home. It, it's that simple. And so uh, this Georgia team did not play with that type of pressure and they just were very um you know just just played a very sort of free flowing type of game and um it was uh, a nice win and, and now they'll advance. Uh, to take on the Florida Gators on Thursday, and um, just a, just a, a solid performance uh, from Georgia uh, in this one, and then Arkansas picked up an eighty-six to seventy-three win against Vanderbilt, um, a solid win for the Razorbacks. Uh, as you know, we we said in the the tournament preview episode on Wednesday, um, I, I just I think there's something about this Arkansas team that that could allow them to to make. A nice run in this tournament. Now uh, it's going to get you know more challenging as you move along. That's how it works in a tournament. But it was a good start for Eric Musselman's team. Uh, Mason Jones uh, with 22 points. He got to the free throw line as usual, made 10 of his 11 attempts at the line. But what really stood out in this game was Arkansas's ability to knock down the three pointer. They were 12 of 28 from three point range in this one, 43 uh, percent. And uh, this is a team where you know if they're making shots like that from the perimeter um they're they're hard to stop and I think that they're a team that as we said I mean their their offense is going to challenge South Carolina in this next game if they were to advance their offense is going to challenge LSU in the game after that uh because it's just a team that when you when you let them get going um you know they can score and I think you look at their three-point percentage on the year Arkansas 33.4 percent on the year from beyond the arc uh, that's only 170 172nd in the in the country so it's not like this team has consistently been an elite three-point shooting team uh, but uh you know to be able to knock down shots the way they did in this one and that's where the tournament i think setting comes into play when you come out and you're playing on a neutral court and you're able to to knock down shots in an arena that you know you're not used to playing in, um, that that also gives you that momentum going into the next game because you know that's what we talk about sometimes and especially the adjustments and we really have to think about the adjustments when it comes to playing in an arena now without fans. I think that's going to be another significant aspect to where you know you've got depth perception and all this different stuff. And so how does Arkansas shoot the ball – on Thursday, um, you know, differently than what they may have did, you know, how does that change things? Where that they shot the ball so well, um, you know, in the game on Wednesday night, now you take out fans, um, it's going to be a different environment for everyone. But uh, how does that affect, you know, how Arkansas shoots the ball? And, and you know, some people say, well, maybe we're reading into that a little too much. I don't necessarily think we are because, um, again, we're in a situation where, and most people have pointed back. Uh, to the, the 2008 SEC tournament, which uh, Georgia won and it was played without fans that had the tornado We came through Atlanta. Ultimately, the tournament uh, was moved to Georgia Tech, and you had Georgia. uh, What a just an unbelievable story that was for them to win two games in one day. um, You you only had – it was the same situation. You only had limited uh, personnel in the stands. um, And and so, you know, it's it's going to be very similar, I think, when it comes to the games that are played on Thursday in the SEC tournament. Uh, But, uh, you know, how does it affect Arkansas shooting? Are they going to be able to shoot the same type of percentage? And it's going to be hard to do knowing the opponent – uh, but uh, I think for a team that that has struggled at times, you know, to be able to consistently knock down shots from outside, this is something they can lean on uh, heading into their next game. And then for the Commodores, you know, uh, Saban Lee finished with thirty points, and we we we've talked about just the improvement of Vanderbilt, but specifically Saban Lee, um, someone that that I just don't think you can give enough credit to. For how he has developed his game, um, someone that that has just made so many strides, I think, over the past couple of years. Knowing that, you know, he's played in one of the toughest stretches in Vanderbilt basketball history, and I don't think at any point we've ever looked at Saban Lee and said, "Well, you know, that guy's just out there playing." Um, you know, they're losing. He, he's just he is he has been someone that that I think, no matter what the situation has been. Um it's been so fun to kind of see how he's developed his game and even despite you know all the losses that that this team has racked up in recent years, um Saban Lee has still been a standout and he, he did that again in this game. And even with the Commodores, you know, finishing eleven and twenty-one, as we said, I think this is a program that still has a lot of things that they can look back on with this season, especially how they played after Aaron Niesmith's injury and Jerry Stackhouse can build off of that I think heading into next season Um, so uh, for the Commodores uh, they will regroup uh, in the offseason and uh, try to be able to to build on their really impressive play uh, down the stretch here uh, this season but those were the games on Wednesday night and uh, coming up we will look at the matchups on Thursday Uh, still scheduled to be played as of right now what could change? How is not having any fans in attendance going to impact some of these games? We just mentioned a little bit of talking about Arkansas shooting. Uh, we will get into that coming up here on the Locked On SEC Podcast, part of Locked On Podcast Network. And let's look at uh, Thursday's matchups in the SEC tournament. Um, we've mentioned a couple of these games already in the SEC tournament preview episode on Wednesdays. So we won't spend a ton of time On those games specifically, uh, since we've already talked about them, but uh, we'll still go through them here as we look at the four matchups that are scheduled to be played. On Thursday, um, Tennessee and Alabama in the eight nine game, uh, you know, just just continuing that same same thing. It's it's just which team is going to show up uh, when it comes to both of these teams, uh, because we we've seen them, you know, play very very well. We've seen them uh, play top opponents, um, you know, to the wire and be able to beat them in some cases. Uh, but we've also seen these two teams really struggle, and um, I think it's you know again, it's 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 the situation too. Is how do you sort of react to the situation? And I know a lot of people have talked about it since some of these, since the tournaments have started to, to limit, you know, fan access and all that. You know, how, what kind of advantage does that create for one team or the other um, when you don't have the crowd that, that's that's in there, that's in attendance? And I think we think about it. Um, you know, Tennessee would have had a lot of people in the stands. There been a lot of Tennessee fans in the stands for this game. Um, now you take that out of the equation. How does that impact Tennessee? How does that impact Alabama? You know, not maybe having to deal with what would not have been a a traditional home game for Tennessee. I don't think you would have just had all orange uh, in the stands just for this one, but there would have been a lot of it. And, you know, for Alabama, does that make it a situation where, you know, it's a lot more uh, manageable because you don't have that added atmosphere uh, of a team that that would have had a lot of its fans uh, in the stands. And I think also the shooting, we go back to it. I mean, it's a, it's a different sort of setting, um, you know, in shooting in an arena, that's going to virtually uh, not be completely empty, but uh, it's just going to be a lot different. And I think it's just, There are so many different aspects to to this whole deal that I think we're just going to see, you know, if this tournament is played as expected. um, Just watching these games is going to be such a unique um you know situation it's just it's hard to really know exactly what you're going to get from any of these games because the entire tournament has changed just based on the fact that you know it's not going to be your typical tournament atmosphere Um, you're essentially you know going to have two teams that are out here uh scrimmaging is what it's going to feel like you know with just different people uh spread throughout and it's just I, i don't know and it's so hard to know what we're going to get but uh, with Tennessee and Alabama uh, you know the winner will play Kentucky on Friday but uh, it's just a matter of you know who, which which of these teams uh, you know if, if they both show up and play at their best it's going to be a great game but uh, the inconsistency has been something that we've talked about with not just these two teams but other SEC teams as well uh, so we'll see how this one plays out and then Florida and Georgia uh, you know Kerry Blackshear Jr.'s status still we don't know exactly You know, if he plays, how much does he play? Um, There are questions there with him. And then going back to Georgia, you know, if if Anthony Edwards gets back on track, we remember that first game against the Gators in Gainesville. uh, Anthony Edwards played very, very well, and that was a game uh, that Georgia felt like, you know, it probably should have won, but the Gators uh, rallied to win it. And then the most recent game they played, uh, Florida won that game by 14 in Athens. In, in another game where I think you look at it, um, you know, it really just Georgia just didn't, they didn't make enough plays and, uh, Florida shot the ball, uh, well from inside the perimeter, they shot 57.6% from two point range. Um, and, and just played, you know, it wasn't a a great game from Florida, but, uh, I think their defense w- was a lot better in that one. And, uh, you know, holding Georgia to just 54 points. So, It's going to be interesting with this one, too. Um, You know, what what Florida team is on the court? Uh, Does it involve Kerry Blackshear? I think those are the questions you have to ask uh, with this particular game. And so um, it should be, you know, as as we say, it's the the teams who win early and build – that momentum going into their game against a team that's been sitting and waiting, um, sometimes that that can can play a factor, and it could very well be the case not only for Georgia but also for Arkansas. So we'll see uh, if that momentum uh, for Tom Crean's team uh, can carry over into this one. Then you've got Texas A&M against Missouri. Uh, as we said, probably going to be a defensive type of game. Uh, just uh, knowing that that these two teams, uh, it's going to be you know it's not going to be a game that. Uh, is is defined by an up-and-down type of offensive style. Uh, It's just two teams that want to grind it out and and be able to – you know, be aggressive on defense and make it very hard on their opponents to find easy shots. And that's what most coaches will tell you that they try to do. But specifically, we know with these two teams in particular, um, that's what they want to do is is they want to to make the game, you know, they want to be physical, they want to be aggressive, and they want to to force their opponents into taking bad shots. And I think that's what you're going to see uh, in this one, you know, knowing that Texas A&M much more focused on, on trying to let the opponent you know, beat them at the three-point line, and for Missouri, um, they've shot the ball well at times for, from three-point line, but still not a team that's great, as we know. They're only shooting twenty-nine point seven percent from three-point range this season, and both of these teams, as we said, just just two teams that statistically i uh, have not shot the ball well from outside even if they had had some games here recently where they have um, but uh yeah this is this is one where you know again what what do we expect uh, when it comes to the actual setting of the game um you know I, i'm not sure but but i i think this is probably you know your your typical grind it out type of game between two teams That really really value defense, and um, you know it's it's another one that's basically a toss up. uh, Despite uh, Texas A and M winning the two uh, regular season games between these teams, and then uh, South Carolina against Arkansas, I think you know we mentioned Kerry Blackshear's injury status, how that affects Florida, Uh, Mike Coatsar's injury status, how does that affect South Carolina? Um, They had released something on Wednesday that uh, he had he had had an injury, and that he was questionable to play. Uh, on Thursday, so I think that's something else we have to keep in mind here and look Arkansas, as we've said all season, you know the the size thing and the rebounding. If Mike Coatsar doesn't play in this game, uh, if you're Arkansas, you know that that makes things a bit easier when it comes to trying to to rebound and you know probably defend too against one of the the bigger teams in the SEC. Um, so that that's a situation that that could completely uh, change this game. You know, let's say Coatsar doesn't play, um, I think that that probably is going to be a, a situation where where you look at Arkansas and. And they feel like they probably have more opportunities, you know, a variety of options when it comes to scoring um, and, you know, being being able to maybe rebound the ball a bit better. Uh, but uh, th- this is going to be one, too, where it's just I think when you, when you have a team like Arkansas that has a lot to play for, trying to play its way into the NCAA tournament um, and coming off of, you know, it was a game where they felt like they weren't perfect against Vanderbilt, but there were a lot of positive things. There were a lot of good things that they did in that game and and going up against the South Carolina team that, you know, has not played its best basketball in recent weeks. And I think that's something, too, where you get a team that gets hot like Arkansas, uh, might might be able to to get another win here and then take another step uh, towards potentially being in that conversation again uh, as an at-large team in the NCAA tournament. Uh, So we will see uh, how that one plays out between the Gamecocks and the Razorbacks. But be sure to subscribe. Uh, head over to any podcast app you use. Just search for Locked On SEC. And uh, if you enjoy the show, be sure to take a few seconds, leave a nice five star rating and review. That just helps the show reach more people. Uh, for everything else, so you can follow me on Twitter at the Blake Level. And uh, if you're excited about the upcoming NFL Draft uh, and want some great draft coverage here on the Locked On Podcast Network, just tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of Locked On NFL Draft for great uh, NFL draft coverage. And thanks as always for listening, and I'll talk to you guys next time here on the Locked On SEC Podcast, part of Locked On Podcast Network.